What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. On today's show, we've got four picks in the Premier League. Count them four. What are we doing? So many picks this weekend. And actually, we have one championship game as well. Tons of soccer to get to this weekend. Let's do it. This is the Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player. Special thanks to Wise Money Sports. Online, wisemoneysports.com. On Twitter, at wise money sports soccer picks every single weekend of the season four premier league picks on today's show one championship pick on today's show we are just going to get going with the picks so let's dive right in actually it's not true first i want to start off with a little vent session because i saw something happen last weekend that just grinded my gears. I hate when squares win doing square things. By the way, we're 7-4 and four on the season. Five picks. Five total picks for today. That's a lot of picks for one weekend of soccer. 7-4 and four on the air with our Premier League picks. But what I noticed last week that I got a vent about a little bit, we had Liverpool minus 140. And if you'll notice, or if you did notice, on game day, Liverpool dropped all the way down from 135 or from 140 to 130 to 120 to 110 to pretty much even money by kickoff. And this was all because Mohamed Salah, the world famous, well known striker, or I should say winger, right wing for uh, Liverpool, was out. Now, we knew he was out all week long. This was no news, but everybody, all the squares who didn't understand he was going to be out until game day, waited until then to bet. And the line got moved 40 cents. What happened? Liverpool fails to win. You lo- you win your bet if you're buying against Liverpool, even after that huge adjustment. Now, to argue that the 40-point adjustment is accurate, you're going to have to convince me that Mohamed Salah... <laughs> <laughs> is worth 40 points himself, which, I mean, come on, that's just laughable. <laughs> it's ridiculous to think that Mohamed Salah is worth that much in one game. This is a pure value play, and this was after this was long after we had recorded the podcast. At minus 140, I liked the game, and it got bet down to pick him. Yes, I reinvested. Yes, I lost, and that is simply the way of the game. Look, that's sports. Sometimes you're going to win. Sometimes you're going to lose those games. But over the long run, I guarantee you, folks, if you keep playing on basic information, following what the squares do, oh, Mohamed Salah's out. I'm going to bet against the other team. The same thing happens with Harry Kane. The same thing happens with Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo, even though you could argue that when he was on Real Madrid, he was worth a lot more than he is now at Juventus. But I digress. My point is, there's no fucking way Mohamed Salah is worth 40 points. That that front, that starting th- uh, front three, Origi, uh, uh, f- uh, Firmino, Roberto Firmino, and, and Sadio Mane, is still world class. I don't want to hear that because one person drops off, that's 40 cents. By the way, it's very important to remember in sports, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about soccer or basketball or baseball or hockey or anything that's a team sport, when you're trying to evaluate how much a player's worth, it's not how much intrinsically or individually or in a vacuum any one player's worth. It's how much is his backup worth? How much worse are we getting without this player on the field? And Mohamed Salah, I could easily argue. Now, I won't, but anyone who's anti-Salah could easily argue that he's actually a negative to that team. Origi, Sadio Mani, when they play against Mohamed Salah, they're very frustrated. You can see because Salah, let's face it, Mohamed Salah and 
Kobe Bryant share a lot of similarities, right? They just don't like to pass the ball, which is fine. They both produce at a high level, but that gets the other players, i.e. Sadio Mane, who's quickly one of the fastest rising forwards in the entire world. That aggravates these guys. So when I heard Mohamed Salah was out, I thought it was net-net, maybe about 10 points negative. I downgraded them 10 cents, or not 10 points, 10 cents. That's about a 10 cent downgrade because everything given that... He is a world-class talent. He ha- he does finish. He's great on the break. I get it. He's a good player. But with the other players getting their chance to shine, their chance to finally get a start in mainly Origi there on the left side, because what they did is move Sadio Mane from the left to the right. Firmino was in the middle, and they had Origi on the left. That's fine. There's no reason that Liverpool... I guess what I'm saying is the reason Liverpool lost that game was not because of the forwards, but the price dictated that it was all because of Mohamed Salah, and they weren't going to be able to score offensively. So... If anyone's out there saying, well, Tyler, look at the final score. It's, no, that, that's that's the enigma of sports betting is you don't look at the final score. It's everything that goes into the handicap. And yes, obviously, if Liverpool were to lose that game 10-0, then we do reevaluate. Was it a good bet, bad bet, so on and so forth. But what happened last weekend was purely a coin flip. You're going to lose some of those games. Horrible officiating. I'm not going to spend any more time on that. You could just tell Jurgen Klopp was beside himself. Liverpool did everything they could do to lose that game, and they still got out of there with a draw. So anyone who bet against Liverpool last week, shame on you. You were with the squares, and even though you won, you're going to lose long term. Okay, now that I got that out of the way, we can get to this week's games. And like I said, we've got four Premier League games, and I have one championship game. I'm going to give four picks. My four picks will be in the Premier League. And we're going to kind of handicap the championship game together. So if you like the handicap or it gets you started one way or the other, that's my goal here with the uh, championship game. And for those who don't know, uh, the championship league is the second tier league in England. So uh, many people out there know about relegation and promotion. If you finish in the bottom three in the Premier League, there's only 20 teams. If you finish in the bottom three, so if you're... 18th, 19th, or 20th at the end of the year, you get relegated to the Champions League, the Championship League, which is, again, the second tier. And if you win the Championship League, you get promoted to the to the Premier League. Actually, I should say the, uh, the, the top two teams get promoted to the Premier League, and then teams three, four, five, and six have a four-team playoff, and then the winner of that playoff goes to the Premier League. So three teams promoted from the championship to the Premier League every year, and three teams relegated from the Premier League to the championship every year. So most of the handicapping I do on this show is for the Premier League, but we're going to do one Championship League game uh, this this weekend. Uh, a group handicap, let you guys know what we think, and uh, yeah, so we'll save that for the end. My first game, uh, Friday, we do have in, in the Premier League one on Friday, two on Saturday, and one on Sunday. My Friday game, Southampton and Leicester City. Uh, I'm going both teams to score at minus 130. Southampton, they have scored in six of their last seven. Leicester scored nine out of their last ten. And I like the way that Southampton plays offense at home. They're top six in expected goals at home. They're going to push. And, and Leicester's one of the best teams this year in the Premier League when they finally do get to finish in the final third. They're, they're ranked third this year in the table. So, so I mean, they're above Tottenham right now. They're above uh, Chelsea right now. Leicester City is very real. Now, I did hear some negative news that James Madison, he didn't make the roster for England, or actually, he made the roster for England but had to go home because he wasn't playing and congruently kind of felt sick quote-unquote we're doing air quotes there he was his stomach hurt really bad because he wasn't getting to play so Madison left the team 
and he was pictured on a front page of a newspaper at, at the casinos <laughs> when England was playing. So not only was he clearly not sick or anything like that, he wasn't supporting his team, wasn't watching his team. And if you dive in and kind of do some research on Madison, you'll learn that this has been a problem with his his entire career. When he was on the U-20 England team, there were lots of concerns about his how he got along with uh, the other guys on the team off the field. It's kind of outside the field, outside the locker room. He just isn't a very big team player outside the locker. He's, he's kind of a me guy. And you can tell. I mean, during the games, he is the 10 man. He will get a lot of opportunities for Leicester City, but he is kind of a selfish player. So you wonder how that's going to play into Leicester. It's not a huge part of my handicap, but it is something if you're going to bet this game to be aware of. I still think Leicester finds a way to get on the board. I, I think that Leicester thinks they can win this game. And Southampton, we talked about them a few weeks ago, one of the hardest schedules in the entire Premier League, and they've done very well. Uh, I think right now, let's let's actually see where they are on the table. They are currently, God, I can't believe Leicester's third right now. Uh, they are 17th in the table. They've got eight points through nine games, yet their expected goals have them right around 12th, just behind West Ham, just in front of the Wolverhampton Wanderers. So I think Southampton, very under, they've really underperformed how good they are this season and the style they play. They're going to press Leicester back. Leicester's not used to that. I think both teams, I think this is going to be a wide open game. I think both teams score potentially in the first half, but at minus 130, it's major value. I think we see... Uh, uh, at least a 1-1 game here in, in the 50th or 60th minute, and then that'll give the chance for Leicester to open things up and then finally uh, maybe tack one on at the end. So Southampton's going to be look for, looking for something here. It's a desperate team. They need points. Even a draw will do here for Southampton. I definitely think Leicester scores. It's going to put pressure on the Saints to do the same. Give me both teams to score. Minus 130, Southampton-Leicester. That is a Friday game. Moving on to the Saturday games, I do like uh, Brighton and Everton. Give me Brighton plus a half at minus 135. So that means Brighton has to win or draw, and we win this bet. Now, for those who really understand the Premier League, you may be saying, Tyler, your first two bets, you're fading Leicester City and Everton? What the hell's wrong with you? But... That, folks, that's how you make money. You don't make money betting on the good teams that, that everyone is talking about. You make money fading those teams in opportune situations for their opponent. That's what I saw with Southampton in terms of them getting on the board. This is what I see with Brighton. Now, let's start with Everton. Everton's road form has been very bad this year. In their four road games, they have zero wins, one draw, and three losses. In those four games, they've given up six goals and only scored one. Everton has been a very different team on the road this season. Now, if you bet with us last week, you won on Everton. So I think that Everton is actually turning things around, but not on the road and not in this situation. Everton is just a team that is outperforming so far, or excuse me, underperforming how good they can be. I, I think that Everton is a very good team. They got off to a horrible start to the year. So Everton is one of my buy-on teams. They really are. But their opponent this game, this is all about Brighton. Brighton currently sits 17th in the table. And if you look at the style that, that, that Brighton plays this year compared to what they did last season, uh, I, I, I stand corrected. Brighton is actually currently 16th in the table, not 17th. But the style they play this year compared to last year is completely different. This is the one team where I've really had to do a reset in their data and figure out what works when I plug numbers in for Brighton, and I think I'm finally getting there. As I said, they're 16th on the table. They've played nine games, only gotten nine points from those games. But if you looked at expected goals per game, they are much, much higher, right around the 11 or 10 mark. Now, Brighton is finally... 
the reason why this stylistic change matters is because early in the season, yes, their data was off from last year, and that's tough to compute just math-wise, but now that they're nine games in, about a third of the way through the season, it's starting to click with some of these players, and not just the offensive guys, right? I know that if you look at... uh, uh, Oh, goodness. Uh, come on now. Glenn Murray. He's had an amazing season up front. Yana uh, uh, Baska, Alorenza Yana Baska, however you say that. He's had a great year up front. Mape, Trissard. These guys have all benefited from Izquierdo. These guys have all benefited from getting the ball, being able to la- being allowed to move freely up front because they're not moving the back, moving the ball from the back to the front so much. I mean, Brighton last year was a defensive team that relied completely on frustrating teams, slowing teams down, and then moving the ball from the back to the front and counterattacking. Well, now at the back, these defenders like Shane Duffy, uh, 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 Dunk, Lewis Dunk, they can kind of do their job without having to worry about getting so involved in the offense when they're countering. I think this is a much more balanced style of play. It's frankly much more exciting for their fans to watch, and it's finally, like I said, clicking with a lot of these players. It took a while. We knew it would take a while. I think this is the time where we jump on Brighton. Now, again, Brighton plus a half, minus 135. Brighton is going to be desperate to get points here, and I think they at least get something on their home turf. So, it's going to be a close game. I think Everton gets very frustrated. Richarlison, again, young player. He's he, he hasn't scored like he did last year. Last year was his first year in the Premier League. He got off to an, a thundering start. I think he had three goals in his first two games. But Richarlison is not the same player this year. And I think that that frustration boils over. I love Sigurdsson. Okay, he's one of my favorite 10 men in the entire Premier League. But just because I like these guys and I think Everton's a good team, again, that's not enough just to not bet on teams. Sometimes you have to bet against very good teams. We're doing that here. Brighton and their style frustrates Everton. I see a maybe a 1-1 game uh, or Brighton could find a way to get a late, you know some late goal here and make it 1-0 to 2-1. But we still have the, the luxury of being able to draw this game and get the win. So give me Brighton, uh, plus a half, minus 135, and I think Everton's winless streak continues this year in the Premier League. My other Saturday game, we are going to go, it is, let me pull it up here, Sheffield United is taking on West Ham. We faded West Ham last week, one, we're going to fade West Ham again this week. uh, With a good, good Sheffield United team that really is a surprise this year in the Premier League. But if you go back and look the last couple of years, it's amazing. If you start stacking points up in the last two and a half years in any uh, English soccer, whether it's the Premier League, Championship League, League One, League Two, there has been no team who has accumulated more points than Sheffield United. Now, I understand a lot of that came in the championship last year. Whatever. Sheffield U knows how to play soccer, and they play a team-style soccer. You look at their the, the players they have, the stats that they're compiling, there's no one guy who stands out for Sheffield. They frustrate teams, and, and frankly, while the scores indicate that they're a defensive team, they pressure. They don't allow you to hold the ball. They're not a team that relies on the other team to have possession, which is what we see a lot in soccer. They want you to hold the ball, right? The Wolverhampton Wanderers, they want you to have the ball. They don't care. Come on, try and work your offense, and we're going to counter you. That's what Sheffield United's stats, box scores, and scores look like, but that's not how they play. I think what they're going to do is get after West Ham this game and really push West Ham in their own building. That doesn't happen a lot to West Ham. Now, let's focus quick, quickly on the Hammers. West Ham, this season, is second to last in expected goals, and they are dead last in expected goals given up. So, you may ask yourself, well, if that's the case, how the hell is West Ham 11th right now in the in the Premier League 
And to that, I would say, yeah, I agree. How the hell are they that high? They're going to start falling. They've had one win their last five games, and things don't get better here. Two losses in a row become three losses, especially with this Sheffield United team. Now, I've been very hesitant to play on Sheffield U this year because my, my whole thought was, yes, their data looks good. Yes, their stats have always looked good. But this is the Premier League. This is different style of teams. I want to see how they adapt. Well, folks, there's no doubt in the world they have adapted this year. Their last couple games, you look at some of these results, they beat Arsenal 1-0 last week at home. They uh, uh, drew Watford 0-0 one the week before that on the road. They hosted Liverpool the week before that, lost to them 1-0. Then they beat Everton the week before that 2-0. This is a team that's not afraid to play the big boys. They play a style that's very adaptive, whether it's the bottom three or the top three. I like Sheffield United to, again, keep what they started. And this is just an unbelievable slap in the face to to, South, uh, to, uh, to Sheffield United. This completely mismatches my power rankings. This is assuming that Sheffield United is a bottom three, bottom four team, and West Ham is a top 10 team. That's ridiculous. I would lean Sheffield United plus 270, which is a huge underdog here, but I think it's much more safe to take Sheffield plus the half, minus 130 on the road at West Ham, the West Ham Hammers. And uh, yeah, so we're going to go Sheffield United plus a half in that game. And my last game on the docket, well, my last picked game on the docket, we are going to go and handicap one of the championship games, like I said. But Liverpool and Tottenham, we are back on the Reds for very good reason. Uh, my main handicap here is going to be motivation. Mohamed Salah should be coming back, but even if he's not, as you heard me say earlier, not a big deal. Liverpool lost their first game of the year last uh, last week. And with that win, they would have tied an all-time record for Premier League wins in a row, or actually for any top-flight soccer in England. So, because Premier League hasn't been around for, I mean, it's 30 years, something like that. So no team in top flight in the history of soccer in England has ever won, I forget how many games it was, 17 or 18, something like that. And Liverpool failed to do that last game. A lot of people may say, yeah, it's a bad thing. They have no momentum to build off. They're going to be dejected after that game, to which I say, I disagree with that take. I think it's going to be the opposite. They now can relax, rest easy, take that deep breath. The same thing happens often in football. There's always the conversation, well, what if the Patriots go undefeated? I guarantee you that Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, don't want to be undefeated going into the playoffs. It's a negative for them. There's more pressure. There's the undefeated, that whole halo hanging over your head. Once you lose that game, no one's talking about the record anymore. I think that allows players to play much more free, much more open. Liverpool still, in my opinion, behind in the rankings in the market. I had them slightly... A better price than the market does right now. By the way, the minus one is selling for minus 130 right now. So get that at minus 130. If you win by one, you draw. Liverpool, again, the motivation from last week's loss. It's not just the motivation from losing to, uh, or, or I should say draw last week. They didn't lose, it drew. But they still fell back in the table. It's not just that that's going to motivate them and losing the record. It's the fact that Man City's now only six points behind them. So they still have to think about the citizens right on their heels. They have to keep winning. And now onto the other side of the ball, Tottenham. You've heard me say now for weeks the issues Tottenham has in their locker room. I think Mauricio Pochettino has lost control of this team. Don't let their 5 nothing win against Red Star Belgrade in the Champions League change your opinion of this Tottenham team. Their last two uh, Premier League games, they drew 1-1 to Watford, and then they lost 3 nothing to Brighton. Game before that, they beat Southampton 2-1. This is not a very... 
well-performing team in the Premier League this season. And as you've heard me say before, sometimes teams put more emphasis on the Champions League, the Premier League. You can tell right now, Tottenham not putting all their eggs in the, in, in the Premier League. And even if they were... All of the rumblings about selfish players, what's going on behind the scenes, that's so much to overcome on the road against a Liverpool team that is still underrated in the market. I just think that minus one is a very comfortable bet here. I think that Liverpool certainly doesn't find a way to not get three points here. A couple double negatives there. But you you get what I'm saying. Liverpool wins this game. I truly believe that they're going to really pressure Tottenham. And I think Liverpool's defense actually uh, is going to be the main story after this game. I was flirting with... Uh, Liverpool to win to nil, that's a huge plus, actually. I mean, that's like plus 170 or plus 180. But I decided that Liverpool minus one, minus the 130, is much more profitable. You have the draw option. Liverpool wins this thing at home. Tottenham's woes continue, and uh, Liverpool continues to prove they are the best team in the Premier League this year. All right, so my four bets once again. I have Southampton and Leicester, both teams to score, minus 130. Brighton, plus a half at minus 135. Uh, Sheffield United, plus a half at minus 130. And Liverpool, minus one, also minus 130. A lot of minus 130s this week. Uh, All right, now let's go into the handicap for the English Championship Soccer game. And I don't have a pick for this game. I was going back and forth. But it's very interesting where these two teams are and the setup here for this game. So let me give you a little bit of a handicap. If it gets you going in the right in the right direction, all the better. Fulham on the road at Middlesbrough. Uh, the prices here are, let's see, we're going to read the three-way money line prices. Fulham plus 117, Middlesbrough plus 260, and the draw is also at plus 260. Um the thing about Fulham, Fulham is the probably the biggest underperforming team in the entire championship this season. This is a Premier League squad. You look at who they have on their roster, there's no way they should be in seventh right now in the championship. And I know you may be saying, well, seventh isn't that bad right now in the year. I don't care. They should be first. They are far and away the best team on paper. But as we always say, the old cliche, you don't win games on paper. I'm just wondering when Fulham's going to turn it around. And for me, it's very difficult to bet against the Fulham team with that much firepower. But a lot of it does, to me, come down to Scott Parker. This is his first ever manager job. I mean, he was playing two years ago. So for him to turn around that quickly, take over a Fulham team that is primed and ready to get back into the Premier League, it's going horribly this year. And the thing is, Fulham's just not playing an attacking style. They're trying to hold the ball. They're very possession-based. They like playing the ball from the back to the front. You remember earlier how we were talking about Brighton, how they like to play from the back to the front? Well, that's a defensive style system of playing from the back to the front. What Fulham likes to do is just hold the ball. They hold the ball, hold the ball. Uh, Manufacturer here, try and get it up the right wing. No, they cut it off. Let's get it back to the goalie reset. It's very boring. It takes a long time for them to set their offense up, but they always dominate possession. Now, that should work, but they need to press more, and Scott Parker's just not having them do that. I think Scott Parker knows what he's doing. So again, to me, it's if I had an ear in the locker room, this would be an easier game for me to bet because I need to know what they're going to do differently to change this. If they come out with the same game plan, not change anything up, I don't like Fulham this game at all. Fulham has been able to score on the worst teams in the championship, but when they play the better teams defensively that are tough to break down, they really, really struggle. Now, I see on the other side a Middlesbrough team who fits that bill. They are a defensive team who, I mean, they play some of the best defense in all of the championship, yet right now they sit 17th in the league. They are hungry for points, hungry for a win. They're going to be playing at home knowing 
They can pick Fulham off if they play good enough defense. I'm going to read you. Since the start of the season, the amount of goals per game Middlesbrough's given up. So we're going to go game by game. I'm going to read you from the start of the season the number of goals that Middlesbrough has allowed in every game. Right? One, one, zero, one, zero, two, zero, one, four, one, two, one, zero. If you notice, there's one score of four in there. Every other score, they've held teams to below two point. Uh, excuse me, two uh, goals or below, and that was only in two of those games. So I, I guess I should have done this before the show. Though quickly here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of their last. 13, 14, 15, 16, 10 of their last 15 games, they have allowed one or fewer goals. So essentially what we're saying here is if the same bill fits and Fulham has shown no ability to score on teams like this this year, then you have to like Middlesbrough. If they can get on the board, you have to love plus a half here. But that's the main question because what I'm dreading is taking Middlesbrough plus a half and it being a 0-0 game and then Fulham finds a way to score at the very end. That happens. Fulham, when they are down or when it is 0-0 late in the 80th, 85th minute, Fulham finally does open things up. That could very well happen this game. So a few questions to answer. If Fulham's going to mix things up offensively, if you if you read anything, pick up anything, that Scott Parker's really going to you know, get rid of this whole possession-based offense and just push, then I would lean Fulham. But aside from that, I really like Middlesbrough this game if they can find a way to get on the board. They're a great defensive team. Can they counter, though? Can they get behind Fulham and uh, break that back for? That's the question there. So that does it for the the Middlesbrough-Fulham handicap. I just thought it was interesting because Fulham... I've wanted to play on them all year, and I played on them a couple times early on, and they just really disappointed me, so I hit the pause button. We're reevaluating right now, but now's the time to jump back on. We're playing uh, against Fulham, essentially, if they if they don't mix things up. So this is kind of interesting, folks. There's not always one clear way to do a handicap, or there's not always one clear side to a handicap. And, and often, I mean, more times than not, actually, you'll find reasons to bet both teams. And that's kind of what I'm doing here. But I want to give you, the audience, some sort of framework for this game if you want to take this information and run with it. So Fulham plus 117, Middlesbrough plus 270. I mean, I think you got to lean Middlesbrough keeping this thing close unless Fulham breaks out of their shell. So, all right, that does it for today's show. Coming up tomorrow, NFL preview. Ryan Elliott's going to be in studio. Can't wait to go back and forth with him. We'll talk to you then on The Sharp Angle. This is The Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player.